Andy Hipple, one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. We're delighted to welcome you to Conversations in Higher Ed Jobs. That we can agree that there's this energy. Discussing honest and truthful conversations. I love sharing my passion for education. Staying positive and focused on a job search. I think you and I could probably sit here and talk for another hour. Focused on your professional growth. Sharing job search strategies and tips with our readers and now our listeners. Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast. Are you looking for a great resume? Because for a limited time, our friends at Top Resume are giving you 25% off any resume writing package. Use code HIGHEREDD25 at topresume.com slash resume dash writing to immediately improve your number one tool in getting that next great higher ed job. It was so nice spending some time with Justin and, and learning so much about groupthink and how it really does affect how decisions are made at colleges and universities. It's interesting as we were looking to find another article that we had found interesting recently, we came across this article on diverse issues in higher education entitled, It's Higher Ed Conference Season, How is Omicron Impacting Plans? It's interesting. You talk about groupthink. I'm not sure there's a topic that has been more diverse in people's viewpoints on how it should be handled, what measures shouldn't be taken and what measures should be taken than COVID-19. And as we look at this upcoming conference season, I was struck by this article looking at so many different parts of this and how the decisions, while seeming to come to a lot of the same conclusions we did two years ago at this time, are actually even more nuanced for decision makers to come to a decision on. I wonder, has groupthink set in on some of these things? And I was wondering whether or not there's been productive conflict or unproductive conflict around these discussions this year. Well, Andy, you bring up a good point about groupthink on campus and how Just was talking about decisions are made. And I think talking about conferences is a perfect example of how people come together to talk about ideas. Now knowing that people might not be able to physically come together definitely changes the landscape of how learning is happening, how ideas are coming about. But hearing you say people are varying on their opinions of if conferences should be in person, if they should be virtual, if they should be hybrid, there was a statement in the article from Dr. Karen Stout, who is the president and CEO of Achieving the Dream, and she summed it up really well. She said, all of us have varying audiences and different considerations. I want to say that first because these decisions are difficult for every one of us to make. I think it's difficult from the association standpoint. It's difficult for the actual attendee. It's difficult for the decision makers on campus if they should allow their employees to go. A lot of institutions are not even allowing their staff and faculty to travel to these conferences. So we can say that it is a very, very difficult situation all around. And sticking with the decision as to whether or not to go as an attendee and whether you're the attendee or the employer of the attendee, but also with the sponsor of the conference, whether or not to have it in person are extremely difficult decisions. From a higher ed jobs perspective, we've been doing academic conferences for a couple of decades now. And we love them. We love seeing folks out there. We love hearing your stories. We love getting that time with employers and job seekers. We do probably a few dozen conferences a year. And even in 2022, there are some conferences that have stayed in person, others that have gone virtual. But also, as we look at who we have staffing it, it's an individual staffing decision. Do we necessarily want to send somebody to a conference who's not quite comfortable going to a conference right now? That's been a, a large part of the discussion on our side. Now, as we look at associations, to me, it takes that whole discussion so much further. 
for many associations, a conference is a very large profit center for their annual budget. Lots of other parts of their mission are funded by the money they make at a conference. And to take it from in-person to virtual has an effect financially on many institutions. As you look at that decision, it's easy to see why places are struggling. What also struck me about this is now that you have made the decision to be in person, before you even step foot into that conference exhibit hall, you have to decide, well, what are the rules of the game? Do you have to show a negative COVID test? Do you have to be vaccinated? Do you have to be vaccinated and boosted? Should there be masking? How far should people sit apart if there's a plenary session where there's a meal served and a keynote speaker? All of those questions, which are absolutely simply logistical, these are not questions that were asked at conferences in 2019, are all going to need to be decided by the association. I completely agree, Andy. And as you know, I went to a conference back in October, and I must say it was really handled well, but I can see how things are changing today, the the requirements that the upcoming conferences that I'm going to attend have. Back in October, we were socially distanced. We were required to wear masks. But moving forward to the upcoming conferences that I'll be attending, now we added the layer of showing that you've been boosted as well. So the conference organizers definitely have a big, big job to keep their members safe, but then also, like you said, have the conference so they can financially survive. That's so true. When we look at those conferences, I'm actually going to be at events I'm traveling for, and you have to make your reservations. Flights are fewer and far between. You have to have your plans all set. There's expense that's going to be up front to decide to go. So the conference in February, and it, was, it turned out to be a call, we hadn't booked the flight plans yet. So we weren't stuck with non-refundable tickets for the flights, which has happened a good number of times throughout the pandemic. Right now, the March and April events are still in person. But the idea, and I think it was just recently announced for the one that's about a month away, that was going to be virtual. And having to make those decisions it has to be painstaking. And it would be interesting as a follow-up article to see more information about in the planning process of this. Is the virtual escape hatch something that needs to be built into every conference plan? Should every conference just have a hybrid version of it now? And of course, what are the effects of having a hybrid on both the in-person experience and the overall experience for attendees? Those are questions where moving forward, it seems to me needs to be part of a conference committee's decision process and planning process from now on. I agree. That's a very good point. And to your statement about delaying making airline reservations, I don't think you're the only one. It actually was noted in the article that it's stressful from both sides. Associations are seeing not as many registrations because I think people are registering late to see if something changes. And then, yeah, the attendee is, is waiting to register and make flight reservations. But I'd be curious to hear from our listeners, what are your thoughts in the year of 2022? Are you wanting to stay virtual or do you prefer to be in person? There's several statements in the article from the associations that are saying that they are committed to being in person because they saw the hunger that people were missing. They needed the in-person connections, the networking. I actually was on a panel yesterday, a virtual panel, and it was phenomenal. It was a, a Zoom call, but I will say that I, I missed being able to see who was in that room. There was 100 participants, but all I saw was people's name on, on the Zoom call, and it just was not that same type of feeling. And back to what you said earlier that we at Higher Jobs have done conferences for, for years. 
And I absolutely love the ability to interact with people and talk to presenters at sessions and be at the booth and talk to job seekers. And it's it's different not having that ability to be face to face. But I also know, back to your other point, that everyone has their own their own level of being comfortable being around people. I'm not sure actually if you've if you've noticed at any events you've been to. I think this is kind of good that associations are doing. They are asking for your input in how comfortable you are being around someone. A previous conference I went to, the organizers allowed each participant to show how comfortable they were with being close to someone. So if you were okay with a handshake, you wore a different color wristband. If you just wanted a fist bump, a different wristband, a wave, you know, a different color. So I really liked that they acknowledge that people have different levels of comfortableness in terms of how close they want to be. That's such an amazing idea. And I'd be really interested to see what our listeners actually have seen that they think really works. Just an intuitive idea like that just makes everybody else's expectations so much easier of what's going on. So if you've seen something at a conference in person that you're like, wow, that really worked well, tweet us at, at Higher Ed Jobs, or please feel free to drop us a, an email at podcast at Higher Ed Jobs. We do want to hear from you. Hey, listeners, I know you'll love this exclusive offer from our friends at Top Resume. For a limited time, you'll get 25% off any resume writing package. These packages match you with an industry expert resume writer to craft a resume built to pass the AI applicant filters and impress people on the other side. Use code HigherEd25 at topresume.com slash resume dash writing to immediately improve your number one tool in getting that next great higher ed job. If you're somebody who's considering going to a conference and you have to reach out to your boss and say, I'd like to go to this conference, there's a good reason for it. What are you looking at to see if it's worth your energy and your professional time to A, choose to go to a conference and advocate for that conference, knowing now that maybe it's going to happen in person, maybe it will happen virtually. What are the factors that you think folks should be looking at in order to make that decision today? I do think they have to look at the organizer's website to see how they are handling the safety protocols, because obviously I think our our health is our main priority. In the past, say a conference would have a thousand attendees, and if we would have a booth, we would expect to be with a lot of people at the conference. But oftentimes now, if it's half virtual, half in-person, there might be 500 or less people at the in-person conference. So even though you might not see as many people as you have in the past, the good thing is you have more quality time with the people that you see. And I keep speaking about the conference in October. I really got to sit in on some great small sessions and the quality of the presentation was still there. It was just nice to be in a, a room that didn't have as many people. And it was definitely well worth the time away from the office. I know people have to balance that when you are away from the office, even though you're doing work at a conference, you know, you have to make sure that you are balancing everything. So I would just advise people to to look at what the association is doing and to make sure that you are able to connect with the people that you want and have some takeaways that you are hoping for. So Andy, if a conference goes virtual that you originally thought you were going to attend in person, or maybe you decide to just attend virtual, what are some things that you can do to still further your professional development, even though you physically might not be there? I think if a conference that you've planned to attend in person has now gone virtual, I think it's really worth your effort to look at the attendee list and try to do virtual coffees and meetups with folks who you may have tried to meet up with in person. I also think what's kind of nice about those virtual settings, the ability to do several of those in a half hour, 45 minutes per, it becomes much more efficient and people might be more open to it depending on the community. 
if you choose not to go at all and you're, you're not going to do anything, I think there's two areas where I would look. Look at some of your connections on LinkedIn and see if they might have time for virtual coffee and make some of those connections in that way. I think what's kind of nice that if you aren't going to go to that in-person conference or sign up potentially for a virtual one, I think there's so much out there nowadays that if it's a quick one-hour webinar on a topic you like, make a concerted effort to find two or three professional development occasions in the upcoming months where you'll spend an hour with a quality webinar or two that helps further some of your thinking. For me, a good conference is going to have three or four sessions that just absolutely make it. And if you do a webinar for subjects that really connect with what you're looking for, you could actually find with a two to three hour time commitment, you could end up with a really good set of opportunities for learning some new skills and some new things. Andy, I just want to add on to that. I've been to conferences before when you mentioned three or four sessions. This is a good problem to have where there's so many sessions, and this could be either virtual or in person. There's so many sessions to choose from that you can't attend them all at the same time. So like you're saying, take advantage of connecting later. The conference apps are great about providing oftentimes the PowerPoint slides, the presenter information. And I've often followed up with these presenters saying, I'm sorry I missed your session, but could we connect? So to your point about taking advantage of that. And so many more have actually moved to actually putting a video of the actual presentation there. And maybe just a plug, I, I know you feel the same way. Support your professional association. If you can't make the conference, going to a couple of their webinars will make a difference. Support them. They're there for you. Be there for them. These are tough times, particularly financially for higher education associations. And they really are what help make up the collaborative nature of professionals in higher education. So don't forget about them now. The best thing is they're truly helping us as well. I think you probably feel the same, but when I leave a virtual presentation or a physical in-person presentation, I feel energized from the amount of information that I've learned. So yeah, I think we can say how important these associations and these conferences are. Thank you for listening today to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast. We look forward to talking to you soon.